conclusion inevitable. It was a jump to conclusions, Matt. My conclusion was that this idea was not a practical deterrent. My only conclusion can be that it was a Sith Lord. In conclusion. Hello there, folks. Welcome back to In Conclusion, the only movie podcast that somehow travels 100 miles south to Chicago and then ends up jumping over a bridge in Milwaukee. I am Dan O'Keefe, and joining me as always, fresh out of the shower, it's Anna Otto. How are you, Anna? Dan, you know, I, um... I'm trying to think this is only my first time seeing this movie, so Alex, I apologize in advance if I misquote this, but um I'm on um I'm on a mission for God, you know? I'm just gonna wear my good Catholic girl shirt because <laughs> I'm Catholic, but I didn't. Anyway. <laughs> that was horrible. I'm so sorry. It was a good Also attempt. joining us as that voice you just heard is our friend, our favorite PA, The Voice, airing on NBC, sponsor us. Alex Langosh, how are you, Alex? It's 2,000 miles to Chicago. I'm not in a car. I'm not wearing sunglasses, and I don't smoke. I'm doing good. I have a question before we actually get into the movie. Alex, have you ever... Wow. Have you ever met Blake Shelton? Um, I have not... Like, I have not talked to him. But I have seen him. That man is a tank. I always joke about uh, how I get close enough to the judges that I could tackle them. But Blake Shelton, I need a running start. Yes. Um, Could you tell him that I took his divorce from Miranda Lambert very personally and had to take a day when I found out that they were no longer together? Thank you. Uh, I will do that when I feel like I need to get fired. (laughs) Sounds good. Just kidding. (laughs) Don't talk to him. I'm low-key scared of him, but his music slaps. Anyway. He drinks very bad vodka. Don't we all? Um, I mean, he has the money not to, so. Fair, true, I don't. (laughs) Speaking of very bad vodka, the movie that we're talking about today is based on the two quotes that we gave and the one quote that Anna really tried to give. I tried, Dan, and then I got (laughs) nervous. It's in here somewhere. Oh, here. We are talking about. We're on a mission from God. There you go. Okay. (laughs) Are you happy now? (laughs) As happy as one Catholic girl can be. (laughs) We are talking about the Blues Brothers, released on June 20th, 1980, starring John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd, and a whole host of other people. Written by Dan Aykroyd and John Landis, directed by John Landis. It cost 30 million dollars to produce in 1980 which adjusted for inflation is about the same cost that shazam cost to produce yo in 2018 yo i liked that movie too like let me just say anyway i liked shazam a lot that was a good movie never mind i don't know what i was gonna say oh god (laughs) it's one of those days dan i had a little caffeine and now i don't really know what i'm talking about anymore oh that's incredibly dangerous This whole podcast is just going to be us trying to talk about the Blues Brothers and then being sidetracked by other things. Absolutely. That's what every episode of In Conclusion is. First of all, I would like to say Dan Aykroyd was a little skinny mini in this movie. I was like, skinny legend. Okay. He was so (laughs) tiny. 
Yeah, he's one of it, all the Ghostbusters. Like, were fine, and then you know. Yeah, I mean age, up. but yeah, you know, I'd hate it. I give him ten ten nineteen eighties Dan Aykroyd. He's tall and surprising. Okay. Um. So back to the movie. It made $115 million throughout its release. Uh, it had a lengthy production process that we'll get into in a little bit. And it is based off of the characters of the Blues Brothers, originally from Saturday Night Live. This is one of the maybe two good SNL-based movies. What's the second this good one, This and Wayne's Dan. World. Thank God. I wanted to make yeah. sure that's what you were going to say. Oh, well, what else was I going to say? A Night at the Roxbury? Coneheads, I mean, duh. M- M- MacGruber? MacGruber has, like, a cult following now. I know. But I'm not, like, I don't really like that movie. This is a Conehead stand zone, so if you don't stand the Coneheads, you can excuse yourself. I specifically stand one Conehead. What's his name? I can't think of his name. Is it Dan Aykroyd? Because he's in that movie, too. Wait, no, I'm thinking of the guy from Third Rock, from The Sun. John Lithgow? Yeah, John Lithgow. Was he not in Coneheads? No, I don't think so. Oh, n- oh no. Let me let me do a quick goog. <laughs> I've made a grave mistake. Uh, while Anna is doing her quick goog, Alex, this is your favorite movie, isn't it? Yeah, if, if you can see it on my screen, I have a signed Blues Brothers uh, poster from Dan Aykroyd. Oh, that's sick. That's awesome. Uh, Dan, also, he was not in Coneheads. It's Dan Aykroyd. Well, and, yeah, and Adam Sandler, who I don't like, but that's a whole other story. But you don't like Adam Sandler? No, okay, it's because I was in The Wedding Singer and I'm scarred for life, but that's a whole other podcast. Wait, what? I was in a production of The Wedding Singer. I played Julia. It was the worst experience of my life. Not really. Oh, I made some I good friends. I, did, I didn't know they made a musical out of it. Yes, and it's not a very good musical. Oh, I thought like you were in The Wedding Singer like in the background. Can you imagine? I played the plane. <laughs> a negative six-year-old Anna Otto starring <laughs> in The Wedding Singer. Mm-hmm. Um. So, Alex, do you remember the first time you watched The Blues Brothers or what led you into this world? I did. Uh, my dad and was like, you should watch this movie. So my family and I watched the movie. And I was like, wow, what a good movie. It was very, like, <laughs> it was very, like, un, uninteresting how I, how I came in, into watching this movie. But I've seen it a lot. I've seen it in the theater. Uh, which was one of my favorite movie-going experiences. And, yeah, it's just, uh, it has everything you could want in a movie. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's how, like, most people are introduced to their favorite movies, though. Like, their parents were like, hey, you should watch this movie. So they did. And the rest is history. The rest (laughs) is herstory. Wait, Anna, what's your favorite movie? Um, It would boil down... To three movies, Jurassic Park, Jaws, and Back to the Future. Okay. All classics. Yes, I love those movies. But my guilty pleasure, my favorite guilty pleasure movie is Talladega Nights. Unironically, I love that film. Mm -hmm. The Blues Brothers of the Will Ferrell filmography. (laughs) Yes, obviously. There's lots of cars. 
Yeah, they both got cars. It's the same. Yeah. That's it. That's the only similarity. They play, <laughs> take place in America. That's true. Yeah. I do love the spiritual sequel to the Blues Brothers, Herbie Fully Loaded, starring what? Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> they both have cars. Yeah. You know, the other I spiritual sequel. I assume there's sequel, an explosion in Herbie Fully Loaded. The other spiritual sequel to Blues Brothers, Cars. Why? There are no uh, cars in Cars. Yes, there are. Think... It's called Cars, Dan. <laughs> cars 2 is way more closer to Blues Brothers than Cars will ever be. I have never seen That's any true. Cars films. Wow, and you call yourself a film fan? <laughs> I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that was the marker, whether or not you see Cars. That can be one of our as one of our um, series of episodes. We can discuss Cars and how I've never seen it. Yeah, yeah we're gonna discuss it, but without you having watched it. Oh my god! We'll give a a synopsis, and you have to react on the spot to the synopsis. Well, I know Larry the Cable Guy is involved, and also Owen Wilson, which is like a stellar cast to begin with, right? That's one way to look at it. Well, okay, Dude. my personal favorite, I know we're getting way off track. If we're talking Disney movies that have amazing sequels and have nothing to do with the Blues Brothers, it's always going to be Monsters, Inc. When I got my wisdom teeth taken out, my first words after Am I in a Music Video were, I love John Goodman. So. I'd like to go back to Cars real quick. <laughs> <laughs> uh you know, like the Doppler effect with when you're at a racetrack, where like, Neow. oh yeah, with mm-hmm. Owen Wilson, with Owen Wilson car, is it like, wow? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that worked. That's how it works. <laughs> uh, so yeah, let's talk about the Blues Brothers. <laughs> that's that's what this podcast is about. I I thought so. Um, so the movie starts out with. A, a very long scene of John Belushi playing Joliet Jake, uh, being released from the Joliet State Prison in Joliet, Illinois. How many times can I say Joliet? One more time. Joliet. And as he's getting released, he is getting all his belongings back, and he has a bunch of random crap, pretty much. Um, and who is he getting his stuff back from, Dan? Yoda. Yes. Wait, what? Excuse me? <laughs> That's Frank Oz playing the guy who uh, who gives all his stuff back. But no, 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 also no. I, I, okay, now I'm really bad. I don't know if you knew this, Alex. Fun fact. What's up? I don't know what any white men look like. <laughs> <laughs> well, Frank I... Oz, you don't know what he looks like because he is the voice of Yoda and Miss Piggy. <gasps> And a lot of other Muppets. Ms. Piggy, mm-hmm. my spirit pig? Absolutely. Yes. Sorry, that's not the appropriate term. What am I trying to say? My my soulmate. Spirit Ms. Piggy swine? is my, my soulmate. Oh, God. Hoofmate? Hoofmate. She's my partner in drama, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Um, I like to think that the prison guard character here is the same character as the probate lawyer in Knives Out, also played by Frank Oz. Which I haven't these seen. Two oh, my God. Dan, I am so behind. This is going to be a long episode. <laughs> can I... I know we've already been sidetracked so many times, but can I just make another sidetrack here? Absolutely. Uh, this is going to relate to a future episode of the podcast where we watch the sequel to this movie. With my son, um, John Goodman. 
<laughs> uh, but when I was watching the Blues Brothers to refresh my memory, even though I didn't need to do that because I've seen this movie so many times, uh, I was watching it with a friend, uh, Mallory Winkler, and apparently the sequel starts the same way because <laughs> we we were watching it, and about 17 minutes in, uh, she mentioned something about 700 traffic tickets. And I was like, what movie are you watching? And it turns out she was watching Blues Brothers 2000. And it, it synced up where we were watching the movie for 17 minutes. And we were not watching the same movie. Oh, boy. Oh, God. I so. did. I was really sad because I was doing some research, you know, on the film. And I discovered that John Belushi passed away only two years after this movie came out. And I was really sad about that. Like, on a serious note, that's just so tragic. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of people in this movie are dead. Like, Dan Aykroyd is the only person, like, main character who's still alive. Mm-hmm. He's uh, thriving. Yeah. Like, uh, most, a lot of the musicians who were in the band, they've passed away. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, Aretha Franklin, I believe, passed away, right? She passed mm-hmm. away recently. Yeah. Carrie Fisher. Yeah. James Brown. Mm-hmm. Ray Charles. Ray Charles passed away in, like, 2004. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cap um, Calloway. Mm-hmm. Did Twiggy die? No, Twiggy's uh, still alive. Twiggy's well, eternal. I wouldn't call her a main character. <laughs> I would call Twiggy a main. Is Twiggy is life's Twiggy. main character. We're all the side characters. Twiggy is makeup's main character. She out here serving. Yeah, she's still alive. Uh, also alive, the most important character in the film, Steven Spielberg. Yeah. What? Where was I? <laughs> <laughs> Dan, I watched this movie, I swear to God, on my life, but I guess I just don't know what people look like. I knew Carrie Fisher, okay. but I, I Googled to make sure. Cause like he doesn't look like Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Don't tell her who he is. I'm not going to. Let's wait until we get to it, because I want to see if you keep guessing that people are Steven Spielberg. Oh, God. I will tell you, Ray Charles is not Steven Spielberg. I know who Ray Charles <laughs> get is. That one I know out of the who way. Aretha Franklin is. I know who James Brown is, who I even recognized on my own without Google's help. <laughs> and I know who Carrie Fisher is, but I did have to Google to make sure. And I knew Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi. So let's go. <laughs> okay. And I knew which one was which without Googling. That's not something to be proud of. It is That's for more me. Of like, both, a... <laughs> like both silhouettes of them are very different. One's tall yeah. and skinny, one's short and fat. <laughs> yeah, I know, but... I'm really bad with actors. You don't understand. Like I, I am so bad. <laughs> I have to really like someone to know what they look like. Anyways, <laughs> so Juliet Jake gets out and he gets picked up from his, by his blood brother, not his actual brother, Elwood, who in this film actually speaks, unlike in the SNL sketches where he did not speak. I found out during my research because I didn't know that. Um, and they get picked up in his bluesmobile, which is not the bluesmobile that they used to have. The bluesmobile they used to have was a, was it a nice Chevy? Uh, I think. No, it was a Cadillac. Yeah, I think it was a Cadillac. Yeah, yeah it was a Cadillac. It was a Caddy. But now it is a decommissioned police off police vehicle that Elwood picked up in a police auction. It's got cop shocks. Absolutely, which is very good because no car in the world could survive the things that this car goes through. It's got a catalytic converter. It was made before catalytic converter, so it runs on normal gas. 
Yeah. <laughs> so they, uh, Elwood shows off what the car could do by, instead of waiting for a drawbridge to go, and then they will just go and visit the penguin in the orphanage, uh, they instead jump over a drawbridge pretty much without mentioning it before or after he shows him what it could do and then it's not brought up again i guess it's a setup but still it's like okay cool well uh i actually have a factoid about this dan oh i love toids um so when dan Aykroyd and john landis were writing the script uh dan Aykroyd hadn't really written scripts before so mm-hmm. he wanted to explain like everything that happened and when he delivered his version of the script, it was his, like 300 pages. It was like as big as a phone book. And John Landis was like, you don't need to explain everything because he wanted to explain like how the blues or bluesmobile could do like all the things that it could. And John Landis is just like, Dan, it's just a magic car. OK, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that takes me back to my script writing class days. <laughs> But it really is a magic car. Oh, it totally is. It's pretty is. much Herbie or Kit from Knight Rider without the well, mind of its own. I don't know if you watch the extended edition or not, but in the extended edition, they park it in, like, a, I don't know what it is exactly, but there's a lot of, like, electricity around it. It's, like, not uh-huh. a place where you should park a car, and that's supposed to give it its powers. Oh, so it's, mm. like, a superhero car. Yeah. Yeah, okay. It's like the Flash. <gasps> oh, my God. I love that. Wait, oh my god, origin story. I love it. It got bit by um, a radioactive car. I don't know. The car got bit by a radioactive car? Yes. <laughs> it got bit by Owen Wilson. <gasps> oh my god, oh my god, origin story. I love this. Get Dan Aykroyd on the wow. phone. Get him on the phone right now. <laughs> He's too busy selling his vodka. True. Mm-hmm. So the brothers, they go back to the orphanage where they grew up. And they learn from Sister Mary the Penguin and their old friend Curtis that the charity building will be closed unless they come up with $5,000 because they need to pay their property taxes. Which I didn't realize that charities had to do. I thought that they were tax-exempt. They are. It was it was the 80s. Mm-hmm. Today, churches are <laughs> It was the time of Ronald Reagan. I mean, who, would, who, would, who wouldn't want taxes from, from that nun? Mm-hmm. Who floats backwards? Uh, Who floats backwards. Can we just take a moment to talk about though how this was? I mean, I know it was early, but I think because of the fact that as a Catholic, I love Catholic humor so much, like making fun of Catholics, it makes me mm-hmm. laugh to laugh at myself. So this whole scene where every time they sweared, she'd hit them, and every or every time they swore, wow, good English, Anna. She'd hit them, and every time she hit them, they swore. I was dying. I was like, "This is this is comedic gold." <laughs> like, <laughs> I was laughing so hard. Oh, also, I forgot to tell you. I like that they have their names tattooed on their knuckles because when I was young, I decided that if I was ever super super wasted and wanted to disappoint my parents, I'd get Anna and Otto tattooed on my knuckles. <laughs> it's a weird thing to decide when you're young. I just think it's cool. Were you just sitting in like your treehouse and like, hmm? What am I going to do? I know. I'm going to get super drunk in the future well, and tattoo like, my own name onto my fingers. I wasn't like that little. I was in high school, you know. I was listening to my Fallout <laughs> oh, Boy okay. and the love of my life. Andy Hurley has Fuck City tattooed on his knuckles. And I was like, that might be a little too strong for me. But you know what wouldn't be too strong? My own name. We're 106 miles from Fuck City. <laughs> <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I was thinking of Hurley from Lost. Lost. Not Andy Hurley. Okay. He's from Menominee Falls. Yes, he is. Oh, my goodness. I love him. Pete Wentz is from Glenview, Illinois, he which is, is the town indeed. right next to me. Yes. Anyways, Alex, what member of Fall Out Boy is from your hometown? Uh, Are you from Illinois? <laughs> yeah. John, no, John Belushi's not from Illinois. He's or not? He? I don't know. I assumed. Dan Aykroyd is from Canada. Rip. Mm-hmm. But he does a great Chicago accident. <laughs> accident? He loses it in the sequel. I, I realize I said accident. I meant to say accent. One, Whatever. I made an accent. One other sidetrack. When I went to see Fall Out Boy at Wrigley Field in Chicago, I pulled into a hot dog stand to park there, and the guy leaned in the window and said something to me, and I turned to Cassie and went, I can't understand his accent. Can you talk to him? <laughs> Cassie is from Illinois, and she translated for me just fine. And then he commented on my accent because I've been told I have a very thick Wisconsin accent. And we made it to the concert just fine. Was it the Wiener Circle? No, I don't know where I was. I was like mm, really high on the fact that I was going to see Pete once. So I don't I don't really remember. Was this the concert that had Rise Against and also Machine Gun Kelly? Yes, and Machine Fall Gun Boy? Kelly was right next to me, like literally standing on my chair because I was in the 10th row because I got these tickets from the radio station. And a drunk woman mm-hmm. came up to me, grabbed me on the shoulder and goes, oh, Machine Gun Kelly is such a dream boat. And I went, excuse me? Are we <laughs> looking at the same man? So did you go? Did you go to the concert with Marty McFly's mom? It felt like it. She was wasted. I was like, "What year is it? Why are you calling this man a dreamboat?" I was so confused. I also didn't know if Machine Gun Kelly was the name of like a group, and I was like, "What's going on?" It was. It was. I was very lost. I just wanted to see Pete Wentz. It mm-hmm. was. Oh. Unfortunately, Machine Gun Kelly is the name of a musical mistake. Isn't it also? Who somehow still has a career. It's also the name of a song by James Taylor, who I genuinely have a dislike of. Um, so. Oh, my mom's going to hit you. Yeah, my She's mom. She's going to come up here and hit you. My mom would too. Not really, but here, you can kind of see the picture. <laughs> but there's Machine Gun Kelly, and there's myself taking a picture. Wow, he looks like In... Jake Paul. Ugh. Okay, let's move on. He I didn't like that like one Hall. bit. That's weird. Yeah. So thank you for coming. Thank you for coming to our podcast where we remember a 2018 concert from Wrigley Field with Fall Out Boy, Rise Against, and Machine Gun Kelly that only one of us went to. Yeah, I did. I did. By attend. the time we're done with with the re the the I'm, uh, words, Jesus. Uh, by the time we're done talking about this movie, it's gonna be three hours. Yeah, poor yeah. Dan. I feel so bad because I always, I'm the queen of tangents, and I'm not a great storyteller. And poor Dan has to edit, like sift through my inability to tell stories and forage. He's got his like machete out, cutting through the branches. Lost. <laughs> Thank you All for right, your so work, I think- Dan. I think the the way to fix this is I also do a bunch of tangents yes. so you don't feel as bad. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, okay. Oh, we were talking about finger tattoos, getting out of prison, yes. picked up by Elwood. Okay. So basically, what happens? The Blues Brothers, they Jake offers to steal the money and then he gets hit. Uh, but then they decide that they need to get the band back together. 
uh, in and Blues Ferb. Brothers. One of the best scenes in the movie. Yes. Jesus H. Tap Dancing Christ. I see the light. <laughs> and you see John Belushi do a bunch of backflips. Oh my God. It was everything, but I kept picturing Nick Belsanti doing the backflips, which made it better for me. The only way if it could every, be. If every church was like James Brown's church, I would be so religious. Oh. Oh my gosh, right? I'd also be winded. I'd have to bring like four water bottles to church with me every day. Or not every day, well, yeah. every Sunday. I'd be tired. In the- doing that in suits oh my god i know literally i was watching this and i was like they're not sweating through that what's their secret like <laughs> and those were flannel suits I know, too like, those are yeah. not those silk or breathable suits no 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 Mm-mm. yeah if there was a fire in that church it would be <laughs> devastating god <laughs> oh and it's like I don't know. It didn't look like it was summer, winter, fall, whatever. It didn't look like we were given a specific season. But you know those churches get hot in the summer, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, James I'm... Brown was sweating. He's always yes. sweating. Well, James Brown is always sweating. Yes. True. Isn't he the one He's that He's not would... even in... Sorry, oh, no, I was going to say, isn't he the one that got so into his music that he'd be, like, on his knees singing and he'd have to have handlers lift him back up? Or am I thinking of somebody mm-hmm. else? I think that's him. Yeah. Well, I was going to yeah. say he's not even in Rocky Four and he's still sweating, but no, I remember he is in Rocky Four and he's sweating. Oh God. What a sweaty man. He also uh, didn't know how to lip sync. So or I don't know if he didn't know, but he would always perform differently every single time. So they had to record his, his song live because he was not good at lip syncing. I feel like nobody at that time in the 80s even was a strong lip syncer because Aretha wasn't really killing it on the lip syncing either. She was she was the other person in, who had issues with it. They they had to like edit the hell out of her stuff because she just had a very hard time doing it. Yeah. And uh, not to jump ahead, this is rest her soul, not to speak ill of the um past, but or the uh, you know, the deceased, but um she wasn't a strong actress, Aretha. <laughs> Most of the singers aren't. <laughs> no, I just did. You know, I go- I was like, oh, this is not a good actress. Who the heck did they hire? And then I did a Goog and I was like, oops. And then I felt really yeah. guilty because like Aretha is, you know, she's a queen and a star. Mm-hmm. But here I am, you know, sitting on my couch, shoveling like pancake into my mouth going, I could do that. Like, you know, anyway. <laughs> okay, yeah. let's rank the musicians turned actors in this movie well say the whole band is one okay well the whole band is the worst yes Uh uh-huh and then you have james brown cab calloway and ray charles ray charles is my favorite one i loved his scene (laughs) i thought it was funny i also just am a sucker for ray charles's like singing so yeah i think i think ray charles has the best like comedic chops yeah absolutely he's great i think I think Cab when he Calloway... shoots the guy from across the room. Yes, th- yeah. <laughs> that scene is actually the only scene I had viewed before today. Hmm. I don't know why. Um, I think I watched it in a film class, maybe. But like, you guys would have taken all the same classes as me, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, do we count James Brown though? Because he doesn't really, I mean, act. He just kind of does a sermon. He just does his thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Cab Calloway is fine, too. Like, he's serviceable. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is like... Well, he's a cab. Equal. He better be serviceable. Yeah. Oh, my God. Thank you. He... 
I feel like everybody uh, else is equal. Like it's like Ray Charles and then everybody else. For yeah. me personally. I think the only the only member of the Blues Brothers band that's like an okay actor is Mr. Mr. Wonderful or Mr. Fabulous or whatever his name was. The the trumpeteer who works at the restaurant. Oh yeah, yeah. He was good. I was like, Mr. Wonderful, isn't that Shark Tank? <laughs> oh yeah. I think he's yeah. No, yeah, he was good. He was good. Because I um, didn't even realize that he was, like, part of the band. I don't know what I thought he was. Because, like, obviously he knows them and they're friends, but I I guess I just didn't put two and two together for some reason. Like, I thought that they knew. I got confused when I was watching it first because they were like, I know they talked about what everybody did, but when they said somebody owns a restaurant, for some reason I thought the guy who was the maitre d' was the one who owned the restaurant. I was like, why is he at the front? He's the owner of this fancy restaurant. And then I was, you know back on track <laughs> i i think we can agree though the worst actor out of all of them was the guy uh murph of murph and the magic tones yeah oh my god <laughs> he's awful oh god yeah uh sorry i dropped out of the call that we were on for a second there so if you said something incredible or something slanderous i won't know until i'm editing this Oh, all I ever do is talk crap, Dan. Don't even worry. Uh, okay. Good. So going back to the plot of the movie, which we haven't even gotten 15 minutes in. Woo! <laughs> I'm going I'm to give a, just a brief plot overview, and then we could just talk about parts that we like. I okay, think that yes. might work better based on how yeah. far we're in. My lips like this. Okay, so basically... Uh, state troopers try to arrest Elwood for driving on a suspended license. They get in a car chase through a mall, and the brothers, they run to the transient home for men, or whatever it's called, the transient home for transients, men welcome, men only. Wink. <laughs> Got my cheese whiz, boy. That was so funny. <laughs> I was going to comment on that. I was trying to hold my lips. Uh, and then they... Start tracking down the members of the band, uh, but before they do that, the Elwood gets, sorry, not Elwood, Jake and Elwood, they get shot at by a mysterious woman with a rocket launcher. A mysterious Carrie Fisher <laughs> right? rocket launcher. Which, by the way, is my sleep paralysis demon. Oh, God. <laughs> Mine's the guy asking for cheese whiz. <laughs> so they... Go and they try and get the band back together. Um, five of them are playing at a Holiday Inn called Murph and the Magic Tones, and they Yikes. all rejoin. Uh, Mr. Fabulous turns them down because he's the maitre d' at a restaurant which employs Paul Rubens as a waiter. <laughs> Specifically, a, that's why he turns them down. It's a restaurant yeah. filled with Karens, like oh. just bubbling over with Karens. Mm-hmm. That's literally the best scene in the movie. It's that good. Whole, so funny. Whole interaction. Um, every time Jake and Elle would order food in this movie, it's my my two moods. Like, either can I have just some bread or can I have five shrimp cocktails, please? <laughs> my mood is always when uh, uh, Jake says that they're going to come there for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day until he joins the band. Yes. They look at Elwood, and he just has a handful of bread and just shoves it in his mouth. That is a mood. That is a huge mood. When I tell myself I'm not going to eat all the bread before my meal comes. 
<laughs> so they keep going to meet the final two band members, but they are blocked in Jackson Park by the American Socialist White People's Party, uh, more commonly known as the Illinois Nazis. And their leader, played by the uh, head of the potato chip factory from The Luck of the Irish. <gasps> Wait, really? Yes, Henry. He looked familiar. and I- Wow, Dan, I am learning so much today. I hate potato chip factories. <laughs> <laughs> I've always loved potato chip factories. Uh, So they are blocking the bridge and the Nazis had won their court case, which is a reference to a real life court case um, where the Illinois Nazi party was trying to hold a march that would lead into Skokie, Illinois, where a large percentage of Jewish people live. Um, And they at first lost... And we're told they couldn't use any of their Nazi regalia. But then the Supreme Court overturned that as a free speech thing. What ended up happening is the march never made it to Skokie. It stayed in Chicago. Um, and then they built a Holocaust Remembrance Museum in Skokie. So take that, Nazis. If you're a Nazi and you're listening to this, stop. That's, Leave. Yeah, 100% true. Skedaddle, we don't want you here. Everybody else, welcome. Yes. For a movie made in the 1980s, the Blues Brothers is pretty, like woke yeah it yeah. nazis it like it's like like hey cops can be bad and also like strong female woman yes. rocket launchers oh my god blues yeah. brothers is a feminist film in this essay i will <laughs> thank you i love deciding whether or not movies we're watching are feminist it brings me such joy nothing says a, a feminist film like a movie where no two women have a conversation with each other mm. <laughs> we love it. What's that test called? The Bechdel test? Yes, we yeah. love a movie that fails the Bechdel test. <laughs> hey, I think even though it fails the Bechdel test, it makes up for it by giving Carrie Fisher a flamethrower. Amen. Yes, you know what? absolutely. You know what? The Bechdel test, yes, it's important. <laughs> but you know what else is important? Flamethrowers in movies with women. Thank you. <laughs> so they force the the nazis off the bridge into the lagoon uh which then mr irish potato chip man makes them get the car's license plate number and now the nazis are on their tail too uh which i have no idea how they did that because they were well well far away yeah they're like get his license we're in the water like where where are you looking are your eyes that good because i have really bad astigmatism i could never have seen that license plate <laughs> like i'd be like i don't know it's like a r q i anna, don't know you'd be a, anna you'd be a terrible nazi thank you thank you <laughs> is it because i love everyone thank you <laughs> uh so then they go to round up the last two members of the band uh who now work in a soul food restaurant uh and Inside of that soul food restaurant, not one of the band members, but instead one of the band members' wife is Aretha Franklin, and she has a wonderful musical number. She's a great Ooh. singer. She also I tries to act. It. As we said yeah. earlier, she really tries. I was vibing to the song, though. I was like, freedom, freedom. Yes, it's 730 in the morning. <laughs> Are you are you guys a, a dry white toast kind of person or a four four whole fried chickens and a coke kind four of person? Four whole fried chickens but ruin it with some ranch, you know? 
<laughs> That's where I'm yeah. at. I think just that order, that sequence where they're ordering, might be my favorite part of the movie where he's, I'll have four fried chickens. Okay, what do you want? The legs, the breasts? No. I'll have four whole fried chickens. <laughs> it's also great that Matt Katar from Murphy like knows it's them by their order. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so after Aretha Franklin sings the song where she's pretty much saying, hey, don't rejoin the band, they rejoin the band. Uh, and then they go to get instruments and other equipment from Ray's Music Exchange in Calumet City, run by Ray... Which- Charles and Alex is wearing the shirt of it right now. Yes, let's get a model sesh. Let me see. Yes, work, work. Okay, thank you. We stand a king. Yes. Uh, speaking of kings, Ray Charles then attempts to shoot a child. Uh, that scene is funny though. <laughs> oh. Do you think like? Do you think he meant to miss, or do you think, like, he was aiming to kill, but his blindness? Those are two warning shots, if ever I've seen them. Because doesn't he comment (laughs) something about, like, oh, it's so sad that kids, these like, such a good little boy is getting into trouble. Warning shots. He's trying to scare that boy straight. (laughs) Also, for a blind man, great shot. And, you know, he's not trying to break any of his instruments. He didn't want that guitar to get broken. He just wanted to scare. Yeah. Guitars are expensive. We all know. I got to imagine because, like, he's got a good singing voice, he also is able to use sonar. Oh, my God. Like a bat? Oh, my God. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Um, This leads me to my favorite personal conspiracy theory. Uh, that Stevie Wonder isn't blind. I will now add <laughs> Ray not. Charles into oh this. I believe God. that neither of them are blind. Dan, I've been hearing you say that conspiracy theory for years, and I always sigh. Ugh. He caught a microphone. He wears a watch. He, not be blind? <sighs> he sits courtside at Lakers games. Maybe he can feel. I don't know. Maybe he likes the. I don't the know. Flop sweat. Well, no, you know, maybe I'm saying like he can feel their little peats when they're running past, you know. I feel the, the NBA, ball dribbling. Where the little peats happen. Yes. They're little size 24 <laughs> men's peats. So as Jake tries to book a gig in a phone booth, um, Princess Leia comes by and blows up the phone booth. In true Princess Leia style. With a rocket launcher. Again. No, it was a flamethrower. Sorry, a flamethrower. My apologies. I'll be honest. I was looking away when that happened, and then I couldn't figure out how to rewind the movie because I was watching it on a not incredibly legal site. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Dan, when you sent me that link, Gage went, ooh, I'm going to see if my parents have a STARS membership because that website scares me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, can we can we just comment on the fact that that scene they used in the Drake and Josh episode of the Blues? I was going to mention the Drake and Josh Blues Brothers. Oh, I was waiting for the perfect time. Yes, thank you. <laughs> That's the exact scene that they show in the show in that episode. But then I'm like, why are they telling kids to watch like a rated R film? Right? Cuz it's a classic, duh. I mean, it is a classic and it's like tame for being rated R, but also like I'm surprised like they were able to do that. 
True. I feel like somebody, I mean, Nickelodeon got away with a lot of stuff. Need we remember all the feet things? Anyway, not to be gross, but... The media is trying to force foot fetishes upon the youth of America today, and I, for one, will not stand for it. Just Hi. Nickelodeon. My name is Jiminy nah, Cricket. It's just Dan Schneider. Mm-hmm. Part oh. of Concerned Mothers Against Feet. Amen. I'd join that group. Right? Cut off all the feet. Anyways. Yep. <laughs> uh, so they then stumble into a gig at Bob's Country Bunker, which is a local honky-tonk, one of my favorite in the Illinois area. Um <laughs> You know, all those honky-tonks. Yep, because there's so many in Illinois specifically. It's the best place. They got both kind of music. Country Country and Western. Western. (laughs) So they start playing. uh, What song do they play first, Alex? Uh, They play Give Me Some Lovin'. Uh, Which which... gets roundly booed. Yeah. Uh, Lots of beer being thrown at Chicken Wire. They're really wasting that beer. They should really have drank that whole bottle, then thrown it, you know? Like, I'm not trying to waste any. You paid for that beer, and beer is expensive at bars if it's in a bottle. Like, I, I mean, if they if they were there to listen to country or western, they I, I understand. Mm-hmm. True, I guess. I'm, but I'm don't not... worry. The Blues Brothers win back the crowd by singing Rawhide, the theme from Rawhide, <laughs> one of Alex's least favorite songs. Me, Alex? Yeah, I remember that I was playing it once, and you were like, oh, God, could you change this song? Oh, I might have just not have been in the mood for the theme from Rawhide. <laughs> Is one ever in the mood for the theme for Rawhide? I wake up every movie, morning, and Dan? while I'm brushing my teeth, I'm going, keep rolling, rolling, rolling. You're also 75 years old, Dan. Oh, I'm younger today. Yes, just today. <laughs> but then they also sing Stand By Your Man, which is a bop and a half. Mm-hmm. I like that song. Uh, so Tag yourself. I'm the guy crying into his beer because he doesn't have a lady. Yes. <laughs> they went over the crowd, but they run up a bar tab of $100 more than they were going to get paid for the gig. And then the they actual members of the band who were actually booked, the good old boys, they show up in their tour bus, and then the Blues Brothers have to finagle their way out of this one. Can I just say, let's say their concert was, like, two hours, right? Mm-hmm. These, the good old boys, are so, like, dedicated to their craft that even though they showed up two hours later, they're not like, we're going to cut our losses. They're like, we're going to play this concert. Right? <laughs> I think they also came across to me not as dedicated, but as divas, because they were two hours late, and they were like, well, you're still going to have us on, right? We're the good old boys. Ever heard of us? <laughs> They're they flipping really, their hair under the cowboy hats. They really reminded me. I was watching Lemonade Mouth a couple of days <gasps> ago, and oh, they I'm reminded shocked. me of Mudslide Crush, the evil band. You, oh, you yeah. You said a lot of words in that sentence <laughs> that I just don't uh, understand. Some of the songs in Lemonade Mouth absolutely so lay up and i had a crush on the ginger that was in that movie when i was little oh he's a criminal now he committed armed robbery what oh well that happens to disney channel stars right i remember when i was held up by lucas graybeal <laughs> can you imagine oh dude you were held up by lucas graybeal too yeah oh my right? god <laughs> oh, one of them was just 
is like famous now. I don't remember which one. Naomi yeah, Scott. She was, yeah, she was Jasmine in Aladdin. Mm-hmm. She's also distractingly attractive. She's so pretty. Speaking of distractingly attractive, uh, they again have another car chase. Um, John Candy. Yes, John Candy is distractingly attractive. <laughs> they have oh, another car chase, and they end up getting their old agent to book the Palace Hotel Ballroom, which is 100 miles north of Chicago, uh, when in reality it's a Chicago Park District building on the south side. Um, and they put a real big speaker atop their car, and they say, Mayor Goldie Wilson, re-elect Mayor Goldie Wilson. Also, no, they do not, Dan. They say, <laughs> they say, you two girls, you on the motorcycle. Oh, my God. Tell your friends. I'm so, It's a lot of entertainment. For $2. For $2. So they end up actually making it to the concert after the car breaks down. They go get gas. They talk to Twiggy uh, and Twiggy's makeup. They have to push the car into the gas station, wait around. Things are going bad. Um, who is it that performs the call and response song? Cab Calloway. Yeah, Cab Calloway performs an incredible call and response performance. Ooh, I was vibing the Which, whole time. Another little factoid, because I'm so much so full of them for this movie. Mm, Alex, uh, when they got. <laughs> When they got Cab Calloway, he wanted to do the disco version of his song that he just released, and everyone's like, "No." <laughs> I feel like idea. that would have been physically and emotionally painful. This version <laughs> slapped. I was it's vibing. Also, also different from the original version, uh, where the call and response was "Heidi, Heidi, Heidi, Hi," but he forgot what it was, so he changed it. Love to hear it. Oh Love my gosh. to. You know what? Which I think flows better anyway. That's some serious star power. My song, I don't remember it. Throw it away. I'm doing a new version. <laughs> wow. Uh, so Jake and Elwood get to the concert, which is now copped with, you're full of cops copped and the good cops. old boys. Copped with cops. Let me tell you, uh, there are I think four thousand three hundred and ninety six sheriffs there, all with their rifles. Uh, the Blues Brothers end up performing two songs and then sneak off stage uh, where a record company executive in charge of the <laughs> largest record company on the Eastern Seaboard gives them a $10,000 check. No questions asked. It's holding up say a phone saying, it's, it's your brother. Or what is it, your cousin? Either your way. Cousin. Oh, my God, I'm having a day. <sighs> you know that sound you've been looking for? Well, listen to this. Can you say Deus Ex Machina? <laughs> Deus Ex Machina? Is that what you... Oh! Oh, my God. I need to go. Can we re-record this? Oh, my God. <laughs> I thought you were genuinely asking. I am deceased. Okay. Can you say map? Map. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so, they get the cash advance, and then he, again, tells them how to leave the building without getting caught. This yeah, man is, he used to work as a bodyguard. This man is the perfect man. He's an angel sent from heaven. Mm -hmm. That is my belief. If they're on a mission from I God... Mean they, honestly, that makes sense. Maybe he is an angel sent from heaven if they are on a mission from God. Mm -hmm. I will say, the Blues Brothers is actually just a parable of the three wise men. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a parable, Dan! <laughs> 
You Sorry. know, one of the one of the one of them Aesop's fables. Yes. Oh my god. It's one of those wayside school stories. Oh. <laughs> oh my god. <sighs> so as they're leaving, they exit out a service tunnel, and they are again confronted by Princess Leia, who, as it turns out, is Jake's ex-fiance, who stayed a virgin. Waiting for him at the back Ew. of the church. My father booked seven limousines for the wedding party. So she sounds it. spoiled. Yeah. And also, well, this... her her dad also uh, used up the last of his favors to that one mobka boss to get the seven. Limousines. Oh yeah. So I, I understand. I understand the contempt. Mm-hmm. Do you know who her dad is? Abe Froman, <laughs> sausage scene... king of Chicago. Oh my god. This scene is also very I love you, I know, but less romantic and, like, compelling. Mm-hmm. More trickery. Mm-hmm. So, Jake gives a ton of ridiculous excuses. Um, a flawed locust! <laughs> <laughs> and then the Blues Brothers, they escape, and they have... Probably the greatest car chase in the history of film. It's amazing uh, and everything. Between them, also, literally every cop in the tri-state area. Mm-hmm. My favorite John Candy line in all of his filmography, which is, uh, this is car 55. We're in a truck. <laughs> the can I? Blues oh, Brothers. Sorry. No, you can. No, I'm skipping ahead. You go first. Okay. The Blues Brothers, they are in this car chase. They drive into Chicago onto Lower Wacker. Uh, They keep evading the cops. They keep making all these tons of cop cars crash. Eventually, they get off of Lower Wacker and onto the city street, which somehow turns into an on-ramp for the unbuilt Hone Bridge in Milwaukee. We love it. (laughs) Hi, Milwaukee. How are you? You can see the Summerfest grounds. Yes. You can see the... uh, it's not the gaslight building, but whatever it is, the one that has the weird flame thing on top. Mm-hmm. Um, all three of us went to school in Milwaukee, so we are, and two of us are currently in or right by Milwaukee. And one so of we, us has lived here their whole lives. Yes. And that one, Alex from yep. Desplaines, <laughs> Illinois, Milwaukee. Yep, that's the one. Uh, so as they are driving onto the unbuilt Hone Bridge, which wasn't built due to a highway revolt, which is very interesting and I want to get deeper into, but that's a whole podcast's worth of facts. Uh, Listen to my side podcast, Bridge Facts, with Dan, where we only talk about bridges. Get over it. (laughs) (laughs) Because that is a better name that I didn't think of. Thank you. Uh, They almost drive off the edge until... Elwood reverses and then flies the car over the trailing Illinois Nazis. Um, the Illinois Nazis then drive off the bridge and they somehow end up 130 miles in the air. The scene is and ridiculous. It's incredibly ridiculous. <laughs> and now you wonder why their budget was so high. They're like, eh, we're just going to drop a car in the middle of Chicago. Yeah. Now, question time. It didn't look green screened, but I could just be fooled, you know? They no, could have done a... They did, 
they did drop a car. Okay, that's what I thought. Because I was watching this and I was like, this doesn't look like a green screen. But why would they do that? And then I was watching it more and I was searching. I was like, where's that fuzzy Where's that fuzzy edge? I know it well. And I didn't see any. So it, assure, it reassures me to know that they well, did when actually you see them. It. When you see them drop the car, they do like a bird's eye view. And it's dropping like into like a very bare area. Yeah, it's dropping in a like, northerly no, island. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then it drops in the middle of downtown Chicago. So, <laughs> uh, As they're falling, the Nazi lackey uh, says to Mr. Potato Head, you know, I've always loved you, um, which is a sad. Gay representation. Mm-hmm. A feminist film. A feminist film. A feminist film. <laughs> Uh, the Blues Brothers, they end up making it to the Illinois Hall of Records, I guess, in the Richard J. Daly Center. Um, Where they got that Picasso. They do have the Picasso. As they go through every door, they then barricade it with as many things as possible. Don't even get me started. Was there not a second entrance? Like, was that there no other exit? Is all entrances. Exactly. Like, the cops didn't think, hey, I'll just go around the back. It's fine. Like, they're I mean, just gonna... they also... They also decided to call in the National Guard to stop two people. Mm-hmm. True. True. They're too yeah. powerful. They know how to use more than one door. I forgot to mention, the Blues Brothers are now being chased by every past, present, and future police officer in America. Yes. Because there are an exorbitant number of people chasing after these men. They're climbing down from the roof they have helicopters all for two guys who have run like 70 because... moving violations yeah <laughs> uh so eventually they make it into the department of taxes i don't know i'm not a yeah sure accountant. Tax office. and they meet the the man the secretary i'll say uh, played by Steven Spielberg. <laughs> he really got me. You know, he he really got me. I thought I knew what he looked like, but I guess I don't. So that's where I'm at. That's it. I, the I end. Just, yeah. Well. <laughs> so they they get their taxes paid. For the Our Lady of Perpetual Sorrow, or whatever it's called. Um, they get arrested, and then they perform Everybody Needs Somebody. And not Everybody Needs Somebody. Everybody loves somebody sometimes. They perform Everybody Backstreet's Back All Right. Yes! They perform Everybody... I don't, I'm trying to think of another everyday song. Yeah, they don't even perform. They don't perform a song with everybody in the title. They perform Jailhouse. Yeah, Rock I realized as I was saying it. <laughs> they perform Jailhouse Rock in prison and cause a prison riot, and that is the end of the Blues Brothers. Yay! And my last note on my notes list, which I have consulted exactly zero times this whole conversation, just says, "What a star-studded cast." <laughs> I mean, it is the perfect movie. You have drama. You have romance. You have action. You have great music. You have John Candy. No movie can be perfect without John Candy. You have Dan Aykroyd low-key looking good. Like, (laughs) 
high key looking good. High key looking good. Like I was confused, as I said earlier. He's on that Dennis Quaid and Jaws 3D level. Don't even, don't even get me started, Dan. <laughs> um. So Alex, if you had to pick a favorite scene from the movie, oh, definitely the diner scene. The diner, or the dinner, the the. Well, it's not really a diner. The uh, the the restaurant. The fancy restaurant, literally the opposite the of a restaurant. diner. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't know why I said diner. <laughs> Uh, I think it has the best comedic moments. Uh, Jake pretending to be like a Russian guy trying to buy that guy's wife and daughters is hilarious. <laughs> what about you, Anna? Uh, obviously, right at the beginning when they're at the uh, orphanage talking to the nun. Like I said, I love a good make fun of my own religion moment. <laughs> I'd probably Dan? say the car chase at the end. Yeah. Uh, just because of how long it goes that's a three-act film within itself just the car chase that has everything romance drama nazis (laughs) a truck i love sound of music (laughs) (laughs) i do i do would i would like to point out how nonchalant the blues brothers are about everything happening around them especially mm-hmm. like when carrie fisher is like attacking them they're just like ah oh, gotta get to work mm-hmm. and then when there's gotta the be mall, like seven dollars just... worth of coins here yeah and then when like they're in the mall they're just like pointing out stores as they're driving around like hey this this mall's got everything oh, God, i was one also imports. yeah i was also pointing out stores in the mall because pier one bankrupt closing toys r us closed you guys still have Jewel, but all the Jewels in Wisconsin closed. Are you guys as yeah. in you from Illinois people? Mm-hmm. But we don't have Jewels with that awful old logo. Oh, God, yeah. Yo, but JCPenney been having the same logo since the dawn of time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was in a... I took a class at uh, Second City in Chicago, and there was a, a woman in the class who was from Australia. Oh, and one day she was like, hey, what's Jewel? Why do I keep hearing people talk about Jewel like there's some magical place? And we were like, uh, it's a grocery store? Yep. It's fine. I don't know if it's a magical, because she was just so like, why, what is this place called? Why is it called Jewel? I, I think I told you this. Maybe it was Gage. I told somebody this because I was so flabbergasted. Now, I, I'm i big into makeup YouTubers, right? Mm-hmm. It's not my proudest attribute. I watch them all, despite any controversy. <laughs> um, so that means that I have watched my fair share of Jeffree Star videos, Don't Come For Me. And one time I was watching one of his videos, and he's like, now I used to be poor. I used to shop at TJ Maxx, Ross, Pick and Save. I was like, excuse me, this is like my regular day-to-day shopping list. Am I poor? Like, what's going on? But the fact that he even mentioned, and he's like, if you don't know what pick and save is, if you know, you know. Otherwise, you just, you're out. I was like, I know what pick and save is. You're not out. I was like, Mm -hmm. I'm in. Oh, man. But yeah, we don't have jewels in Wisconsin anymore. They're all closed. I've been trying to coin the term Josco. As in Jewel Osco. <laughs> How's that going for has, you? Not well. <laughs> oh, God. Um, 
Alex, do you remember the convenience store White Hen? Yes, I do. That was owned by Josco. Oh, was it? Yeah, and then they sold it to 7-Eleven. Never oh, heard Slevin. of her. I've heard of 7-Eleven, but... You're talking about Slevin. Ew. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that uh, dashes now mean cut off the middle parts of words <laughs> everywhere. I'm trying to make my life easier and quicker. Do you, do you know who my favorite Broadway star is? That was a weird tangent, but go on. Lanwell Miranda. <gasps> yes. <laughs> I accidentally stumbled, stumbled into Lin-Manuel Miranda thirst TikTok the other day, and it was a really a godless place. I was very scared. Was it just pictures of him pictures biting of his lip? Doing, yeah, yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. I hate that picture. It was all these underage girls thirst posting about that specific picture and i was like this is so wrong this feels illegal i gotta get out of here and it was terrifying there was one where this girl was like when you're 17 what if in this world where you're 17 you get to pick all the perfect attributes of your soulmate and then when you turn like on the day of your 17th birthday you get to meet him and she was going through and picking all her attributes and then when she met him it was lynn and i was like that's a full adult you, he's not your soulmate. That's a full-on man. You are a child. Oh, God. I I had to take to my bed, you know? I, oh. <laughs> oh. Um, away from this, <laughs> uh, I have a uh, Halloween story related to the Blues Brothers. Yes. Okay. Uh, so I had, was having a Halloween party, it was, so I think it was high school, and I wanted to do one of those, like, grayscale costumes where it looks like you came out of, like, a black and white movie. Yes, <laughs> that's cool. Um, and so I had, like, a suit and stuff and a gray trench coat, and I couldn't find gray makeup, so we were just like, oh, we'll just blend black and white. Oh, no. Um, we didn't put enough white in there. <laughs> oh, no. No. It wasn't blackface, but, like, pretty damn close. Uh, so after I took a picture, I was like, mm, not going to do this. So I had to wash it all off, and then I went as Juliet Jake to save myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yikes. Yikes. Listen oh to the story. Use more white makeup. <laughs> Okay, uh, I got some trivia about the film to get away from, you know, blackface. Oh my god, hit us, let's hear it, Dan. Okay, so, um, also in the movie that we didn't mention, uh, Joe Walsh from the Eagles, he plays a prisoner. Um, He's the first one to start getting up and dance. Mm-hmm. Very uh, nice. I said that wrong, but... He's vibing. One of the, one of the dancers outside of Ray's Music Emporium is Uncle Phil. From the Fresh Prince, James he Avery. He could dance. I, I cannot picture that man dancing. I couldn't either, but I guess we've seen it. Yes. Okay. Okay. Love to hear it. The Chicago Police Department gave support and allowed the production to use the genuine insignia and markings. Uh, and then the movie came out. And <laughs> the CPD was like, uh, yeah, we ain't doing this again. So they didn't give permission for another 31 years. Well, yeah, because they literally have a scene with John Candy and there's a, a cookie jar of a pig in a police outfit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, they were not 
They were not hiding the fact that. So they, they were not. um, <laughs> they were a little sour <laughs> after that. I'm guessing. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> uh, the Vatican's newspaper has said that it is a good movie with good Catholic religious themes and attitudes. Amen. Okay, the Catholics, well, the fun Catholics, love to laugh at themselves, you know? Mm-hmm. We vibe I have it. A, I have a yeah, bunch of Catholic listen... comics to send you, Anna. Oh, my God, please do. I really should have worn my good Catholic girl shirt today. Have you, have you, have you heard of Jim Gaffigan? Yes, he, his <laughs> wife went to Marquette, of course. Oh, did he? Yeah, her, yeah. his wife did. Um... My favorite. Didn't, wait, Alex, wasn't she the commencement speaker at your graduation? No, we had David Brooks. Wait, yeah, what year did you graduate, Alex? Uh, 2015. No, that doesn't make sense. I graduated high school in 2015. I say, it's like, aren't you younger than me? Excuse me. 2019. Okay. Yeah, you guys had him one year because we, we had... We had him. It was the year before me. Oh, okay, so it was mm. the year after me. Yeah, we had, it was David Brooks for us. Oh, you know what we had? A Peruvian you, nun. I know. I, I heard this story where they didn't even have <laughs> uh, like a translation, so everyone was just like, what the hell is she saying? I understood because I minored in Spanish, but it was real painful for my parents who only speak English, you know? Like, oh, my God. The, <laughs> I, I think the reason why they got Jim Gaffigan was because of the amount of flack they got for that. Well, like, I get it. She talked about, like, service and how important that is. But they had somebody come out <clears throat> and give, like, a two-minute, you know, like, blah, 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 blah. She wrote this prepared statement in English. It was five seconds long. We were like, yay. And then she talked for 10 minutes in Spanish. And I was like, okay, we vibing. And everybody else was like, wasn't it, wasn't it like people <laughs> didn't know when she was done talking because like they couldn't understand what she was saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was really fun. It was really fun. Oh my God. I would be dying at that commencement. <laughs> be hilarious. Uh, it was be funny. So funny. My other favorite part of commencement was the girl next to me who blacked out and passed out in the middle of the commencement speech. <laughs> Probably wasn't fun for her, but it was hilarious to me. Oh my god, that sounds amazing. Well, I'm happy that you two had a commencement. Oh, Dan! <laughs> I'll give you a speech. Dan, you're gonna go far. You're gonna That's go far. No, Dan. Fine, I'm gonna. Okay. I'll find something. I'll give you like some spoken word Fallout Boy, and it'll be great. Dan, don't do nothing for nobody. <laughs> um, I will say I'm happy that I did not graduate from Marquette University in I think the year 2012, uh, because Bill Cosby, Marquette's commencement speaker was Bill Cosby. Oh yeah, he was given a, an honorary doctorate, and they stripped him of that title. Yes. <laughs> Whoops. Oopsie doodles. Uh, so, uh, can, can we get back to the film? Yes. Sorry, Dan. Oh, no, I was, that wasn't what I was going to say. Okay. Um, other trivia. Uh, John Landis, um, father of bad person Max Landis. Um, John Landis also kind of sucks. He He is indirectly the reason why two children were killed on the set of The Twilight Zone. Yeah. Excuse me? Yeah, uh, yeah, in filming the Twilight Zone, the movie. Uh, oh, the were... movie. I thought you were talking about the TV show. I was like, my boy Rod would never. Never, no. no. Never. But in filming the movie, he two children were killed in a helicopter accident. 
Oh my crashed. God, that's they horrific. Were, they were caught under a helicopter as it crashed. Oh my God, let's get back to the movie. That's too horrifying yeah. to even think about. Uh, but oh my God. After the Blues Brothers, he directed a... The Twilight Zone movie came out in 1985 after this, but in between he directed An American Werewolf in London, Coming <gasps> Soon, and Trading Places. Yes. He also directed he Coming also to America and, and Animal, House. Animal House. Yes. Um, Just to interrupt for a second, Alex, I'm using mm-hmm. this picture for your bio on the Facebook and Instagram. That's fine. <laughs> I assume. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, there was no Toys R Us in that shopping mall. There's uh, no there Toys had never R Us been, anywhere now. And there had never been an enclosed Toys R Us. They were all freestanding stores or in strip malls. Um, mm-hmm. That Toys R Us was actually a former Walgreens, in case you were wondering. I'm pretty, sh- I'm pretty sure just... that mall was scheduled to close or shut down, and they were so that's why they were able to like drive through it. So they rebuilt the mall. Yeah. And the town, the community thought that like they were getting a new mall, and then they did it, and they were very angry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be pissed. I love going to the mall. I'd be like, excuse me. You're driving a car through this? I'm trying to shop, sir. Please take your... Oh, my Karen energy is radiating. Oh, God. Uh, John Belushi was nicknamed the Black Hole on set. Uh, He went through hundreds of pairs of sunglasses. He'd do a scene and then lose a pair before filming the next scene. There's literally also, somebody like that on in every theatrical something, you know? There's always somebody mm-hmm. who loses everything you give them. They also had a budget for cocaine on this movie. They did. The 80s was a godless time, I'll tell you that much. Okay, here's what I have <laughs> about crap. cocaine. Um, so, Belushi went everywhere in Chicago when he wasn't on set. And when he did, everybody was slipping him vials and packets of coke. That was in addition to what he could procure or have procured for himself, often consumed in his trailer or at the private bar on set he had built for himself, his longtime friends, and the cast and any visiting celebrities. Uh, Carrie Fisher, who Landis warned to keep Belushi away from drugs if she could, said almost everyone who had a job there also dealt cocaine, and the patrons could and did score almost anything there. Dan Aykroyd says there was money in the budget set aside for coke for shoot nights. Oh my gosh. Hannah, your face right now. (laughs) Hang on, you guys are like really breaking up, so I'm gonna call in, call back, okay? Okay. Um, some other random trivia while she gets this worked out. Um, the production moved to L.A. for the last month, already behind schedule and over budget. Uh, right before shooting the final screen scene, which required him to do the acrobatics on stage, uh, John Belushi tried out some kid's skateboard, fell off, and injured his knee. <laughs> okay, I'm now in this... this- video chat twice but anyway here i'm back (laughs) anna's back um so and then in what could have been uh the script had special recruitment scenes for each band member um little richard was asked to perform but 
at the time he was only performing gospel music instead of secular music. Um, Jake's jilted fiance was supposed to be blonde, which is the most important change in the film. And Stupid. The original cut of the movie was 160 minutes long, and John Landis wanted to present it as an old-fashioned roadshow-style road theatrical release where they give out um, programs and they have intermissions and all that stuff. Uh, but the head of Universal demanded the film be cut down after an early screening so it could have more showings per day. Um, oh my god, if it was like a roadshow, I would be living right now. I know. Again, I love the sound of music. Also, after the credits, it says filmed at Universal Hollywood. And then, make sure to visit Universal Hollywood, the entertainment capital of the world. Ask for Lou. That's where I work. Do you think that if I went there and I asked for Lou, he'd still be there? I doubt it. Oh. I think Lou's dead. Oh, no. I was just picturing him being like a cute little old man. I'll check, because the head of Universal was Lou Wasserman at this time. Oh. Uh, Lou Wasserman died in 2002. At the age of 89. Okay, he lived a long life. Yes. Um, I'm surprised you don't have the most important fact, Dan. That the woman on the cutting room floor was John Landis' mother? No. Oh, well... That uh, there was one night where they were trying to find John Belushi and nobody could find him. So Dan Aykroyd went into the neighboring town where they were filming and he saw one house with lights on. So he knocked on the door and the the uh, the guy who owned the house was like, oh, you're looking for John, right? And apparently John had wandered off into the neighboring town, went to the house, asked for a sandwich, and fell asleep on their couch. <laughs> Honestly, I would have been like, welcome. I'll make you a sandwich, sure. Let's and that's how it. he was known as America's guest. Yep. Hey, if John Belushi showed up at my door and asked for a sandwich, I'd make him one. Yeah. Probably just be yeah. peanut butter, because I don't have much other fixins for sandwiches, but hopefully he would John enjoy Belushi that. Would be, yeah, no, I think John Belushi would enjoy any sandwich you make him. I could no. maybe hook him up with like a like a like a turkey sandwich, but like not a fancy one, like turkey and cheese. It's classic, right? It is. Um, is there anything else you guys want to say about this, about the film? Um, let me let me um, assess my notes. Hang on. I'm not excited to watch Blues Brothers 2000. Don't all. talk about. I haven't Go- seen it yet. Don't talk about John Goodman like that. <laughs> I mean, I love John Goodman. He's no John Belushi. Yeah, I know, R.I.P. But also, I just really love John Goodman. You know what else? Did you who you know who else is no John Goodman? Or sorry, oh. you know who else is no John Belushi? Oh. Jim Belushi. Yeah, oh my Jim gosh! <laughs> According Jim to Jim, always comes on after either Night Court. Or that 70s show on Laugh TV. And I you don't understand how disappointed I am when after I'm laughing my face off with Harry Anderson and the rest of the gaggle of crew on Night Court, I have to watch According to Jim. Yeah, Jim sucks. I probably would just, if I was watching that 70s show, which is a lot of the time, I'd probably just turn the TV off afterwards. Oh, but I'm oh. always strapped to a chair. I was going to say, I... I Excuse me? (laughs) 
I was going to say I loved at the end of Aretha's number when she held for applause. I was like, yes, girl, get your applause. <laughs> and I also put in my um, notes. I know I said this twice already, but I'm going to say it again because I think I said it funny. I just put Elwood Loki cute, though, just in the middle of all my regular notes. <laughs> and then I just carried on. Uh, did you guys know that the Blues Brothers performed a Super Bowl halftime show? Really? Mm-hmm. When? Uh, I think it was for Blues Brothers 2000. So I think it, John, John Belushi was definitely dead. I think John Goodman and Jim Belushi and Dan Aykroyd performed with a bunch of blues singers. My boy, oh, no. John Goodman, a man of many talents. <laughs> See, this is this is what I'm saying. We should go back to movie tie-ins with the Super Bowl halftime show. And now that Disney owns, like, everything, I'm saying the next Super Bowl halftime show should be the Muppets. <gasps> that would be so cute! Oh, my God! It would, it'd be, like, the lowest-rated half halftime show, but, like... Who cares about Nielsen ratings when you have Alex approval? Why would it be low? <laughs> like, people love the Muppets. I would watch because it. Because it's not Justin Timberlake or Shakira? No. Can they perform Man or Muppet from the Muppets movie? Because that song is great. I love that song. It won best, best, best original song because it was going against only one other song from Rio 2. It was a slow year for original song oh that my God. year. No, that song is amazing and it would have won against anything. Anybody who disagrees can catch hands i love that song i love it i love it it's great i love jason siegel i love um dr sheldon cooper whose name in real life is escaping me at this jim moment parsons. Jim thank parsons. you jim parsons they're both great um that song is soulful spiritual right from the heart it's great anyway uh I'm sorry, but the Muppets movie is very lucky that it did not come out in the year 2015 um, when the Academy Award-nominated film Furious 7 was released uh, because, because Man or Muppet would not have stood a chance, a snowball's chance in hell against See You Again. By Charlie Puth and Wiz Khalifa. By the way, which was not nominated for an Oscar. The dumb Sam Smith song from Spectre won. And See You Again, which was the most viewed video on YouTube. And a cultural touchstone wasn't nominated. Do you need... Yeah, but they got Eminem to to play play this this past year's Oscars, so... Oh, God, I have another completely off-topic thing to say about Eminem. I've lately been weaving his music into the soundtrack of Hamilton accidentally. <laughs> oh. Look, if you had one shot to be a bastard, an orphan, yes, the son of a whore. Oh, God. Okay, I think we should wrap this up because Probably. now we're the talking Blues about Brothers. <laughs> the Muppets and Eminem. Yes, the Blues Brothers. <laughs> Thank you, Alex. Thank you for being here. Yeah. I enjoyed my time. I love talking about the Blues Brothers. I will continue to talk about the Blues Brothers, and people will hate me for talking about the Blues Brothers. <laughs> we all have that one movie. It's fine. We love Or you. three. This is a very loving, safe space to talk about whatever movie you like. Mm-hmm. Did you know that they actually toured? Yes, I did. I'm learning I so much. 
I have I have all I have there are two live albums on record and I have the soundtrack on record. Wait, now I have one final Blues Brothers question. The quest yes. the song that Drake and Josh perform Drake and Josh perform on Drake and Soul Josh. Man. Is that an right. actual Soul song Man. that the Blues Brothers have performed? Yes. So Soul Man yeah, Soul Man is off their album Briefcase Full of Blues, mm-hmm. and I believe it's an original song by Sam and Dave, who they actually play Sam and Dave in the movie when they get, first get pulled over by the cops. Thank you. You're welcome. And I think it was like a top 40 hit. I mean, it, it slaps, so yeah, that's why yeah. I was curious. You know, I was like, why, why wasn't this in the movie? I remember it from Drake and Josh when I was little, but... Yeah. I don't think the Blues Brothers have any original songs. I think they just did covers. I mean, that's fair. The only SNL-related band that I know of that does original songs is the Lonely Island. Is the Lonely Island. Uh, I there is one member of the Blues Brothers band that's missing. Really? In the movie, it's Paul Schaefer, the band really? leader of David Letterman. Yeah, he was part of the Blues Brothers band, but I think he did something to piss off John Belushi, so he wasn't in the movie. Hmm. Huh. The more you know. There you go. So, as Alex mentioned earlier, long ago, in the before times on this podcast, um, next week we will be talking about um, if the Blues Brothers is God's gift to humanity... Blues Brothers 2000 is Satan's curse upon humanity. We will be talking about the Blues Brothers 2000. Nothing with John Goodman in it is touched by Satan. Okay. Oh, well, well, <laughs> let's see what you say when we actually watch it. Okay. I'll report back. That will be our topic of conversation or our planned topic of conversation next week. We'll see what we actually end up talking about. Mm-hmm. Thank you for joining us, Alex. Where can the people find you if they want to find you? On the oh boy uh on the internet well in person they can find me working at the voice but i don't think you're allowed to come on the lot right now um wear a mask if you do visit alex wear a mask yeah when you go to universal ask for alex <laughs> uh online i don't know i'm not really doing much online right now but if i if i do have something i'll i'll, I'll let you know Okay, awesome. If, if 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 there's if there's anybody at Cartoon Network looking for a writer's PA, please hit me up. I'm desperate. <laughs> <laughs> LOL. Iconic. Uh, if you want to find me on the internet, I'm on Twitter at Dan O'Keefe86, on Instagram at DLRAAR. You can find the show anywhere you want. Just look up in conclusion on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, the works run wherever you find social medias are found. Um, and Anna, where can they find you? Dan, it's your favorite part of the podcast. It is. So on Instagram, I'm at AutoMissPrime818. And on Twitter, I am at Autobots Rollout, capital O and auto, capital B and bots, capital R and roll, and the O and roll, and the O and out are zeros. Now, Alex, can you say that back? Um... I'm just going to plug my Twitter. Sometimes I'm funny. <laughs> Follow me on Twitter. There you go. What's your handle? Is it as good as just mine? Al- just just at Alex Langosh because nobody in the world is named Alex Langosh. Mm. I wish I had that luxury. <laughs> <laughs> All these people be marrying into my name and then they just take the handle on Twitter. So I have to make an obscure Transformers reference and it's hard. 
it's hard out here obscure obscure everyone knows autobots roll out yeah i know but with my name obscure oh okay it's not obscure you're right but still we will be back next week with myself alex langosh who nobody else in the world shares a name with and anna otto the obscure transformers fan talking about blues brothers 2000 everybody have a good week stay safe stay healthy and have fun bye 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 hell of bye about my morning i woke up at 7 30 for the first time since march every other day has been a depression sleep until 10 a.m 